Today we're going to be continuing our sermon series uh, entitled Relationships. And today we're going to look at a part of relationships that I think we've all have experienced. We're going to talk a little bit about grief today. Uh, the title of the sermon today is Experiencing Grief. And and I must confess, I stole the title. Uh, I stole it from a pastor by the name of Norman Wright. And he wrote this little booklet called Experiencing Grief. Uh, at the end of the service, I have two copies up here I'll give away if anybody would like to have this. Uh, it's something that we all go through and we're gonna try to dissect it today. Uh, early this morning, I was uh, just reading over my sermon notes and my nine-year-old son, Jaden, looked at me and said, Dad, what is grief? because he was reading over my shoulder. So I tried to explain it to him the best I could what grief means. And he shook his head and looked at me and went, good grief. <laughs> so we're gonna have a second title today of our sermon. It's called Good Grief, God's Way. We're gonna have five points that we're gonna dissect today. We're gonna see this, that God protects us through our grief. God protects us through our grief. Second point is God hears us through our grief. God hears us through our grief. Our third point is that God sustains us and helps us through our grief. God sustains us and helps us through our grief. Point number four is God sees us through our grief. God sees us through our grief. And point number five, God gives us his peace through our grief. God gives us his peace through our grief. Grief has been defined as this, the cognitive and emotional process of working through a significant loss, the removal of anyone or anything that has emotional value to an individual will precipitate a grief reaction. Now, let's be honest. I think in all of our lives, we can say that we've had some sort of loss, some sort of tragedy, some sort of thing that, that stung us deeply, a loss of a job, a loss of a marriage, a loss of a loved one, a severed relationship. While grieving is painful, it is to be viewed as a healthy response. It is the, the part of healing that we need to go through. Just as when we have surgery, uh, the body goes through trauma and physical surgery. And after surgery, you go through this process of physical recovery from surgery where the body mends. The grieving process is that on an emotional standpoint. When we have an activating loss of a loved one, and then we go through this series of emotional and physical pain and upheaval, God walks us through it, and we get better, better, and better through it. While grieving is painful, it is to be viewed as a healthy response, for without it, complete emotional recovery is not possible. There is acute psychological pain in grief, emotional turmoil, fluctuations of mood, hurt feelings, guilt, depression, helplessness, anger, sadness, love, rage, loneliness, resentment, hopelessness, 
All of these are commonly reported with grief. We get to the point where we ask ourselves this question, am I losing my mind through this grief process? There are secondary symptoms of grief. We have eating loss, sleeping loss, sexual disturbances, all of those follow and accompany grief. There are somatic complaints about grief, headaches or low energy or ulcers or dizziness or colitis. All of those may or may not be present. The inevitable heightening of an individual's stress disturbs relationships. And that's what grief does. It disturbs relationships, which may become more distant or laden with conflict. Today, we're going to do an analysis. And we're going to do an analysis of a biblical family. And we're going to see how this biblical family, specifically this father, dealt with grief. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come before you, we lift our minds and our hearts to you. And we ask you, God, to speak to us today from your word. Challenge us. Hold us dear There may be some of us in this room that have loss in their lives right now. Grief, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of a relationship. I pray, God, that you minister to that person at us today through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I got to confess, if if you're a parent with a small child in here, this is probably a PG-13 rated sermon. Uh, We're going to be talking a little uh, about some heavy, heavy things uh, today. I want to tell a story of King David. King David, as we know, he, he grew up uh, in, in, in the Bethlehem area. He was the youngest son, and he was Uh, He was basically appointed king. God chose King David to be king. But we know King David had flaws. He had many, many, many flaws, just as all of us, we have flaws. King David had a lot of wives and a lot of concubines. Uh, King David had multiple children. Today, we're going to focus on three of his children. This story is found in 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 17. We're not going to read it today. We're not going to dissect it today, but we're going to walk through it a little bit today. David had a son by the name of Amnon. Now, Amnon was a conniving, manipulating sort of guy. He had a sister, David's daughter, by the name of Tamar. And Amnon lusted after his sister, his half-sister, Tamar. And Amnon wanted to to get Tamar into his chamber and wanted to uh, basically have intimacy with her. So King David's son, Amnon, had lustful feelings about King David's daughter, Tamar. So King David's son, Amnon, devises this plan. I'm going to fake like I'm sick and I'm going to ask my sister to come into my chamber And as she's in my chamber, I'm going to ask her to make me some food. And then I'm going to do what I want to do with her. So Amnon devised this plan in his head, and now he's going to pull it off. So he he pretends that he's sick. And he asks that his sister come into his chamber. Can you please make me something to eat and comfort me? So Amnon, laying in bed being an untruthful, manipulating, conniving kind of guy, 
got his sister in his chambers. And we know what transpired next if we're, if we're students of Scripture, that Amnon basically raped his half-sister Tamar. Now, I've got to be honest with you, that is, um, that's tragic. That is uh, multiple levels, multiple deep levels, horrific. So Tamar has now been shamed so she appeals to Amnon, Amnon, please don't send me away because I am now shamed. And if you send me away, I'll be doubly shamed. The conniving, squirrely, manipulative Amnon despises her in his heart. He got what he wanted from her and now he pushed her aside. There's another player in this story, King David's son, Absalom. Absalom was a, what scripture says, a fairly good looking man and he had long hair. So Absalom approaches David and says, why aren't you doing anything about Amnon who raped my sister Tamar? Absalom revolts against his father, King David. Absalom had his half-brother Amnon killed. Absalom took his father David's throne. And David, the great King David, whom Scripture says was a man after God's own heart, was banished from his throne. Talk about a dysfunctional family. Think about that for a moment. If you were King David and you had one son rape a daughter and you have another son kill that son and then you have that son kick you out of your kingdom, how might you be feeling? There was a significant amount of loss there, wasn't there? So King David was banished from his throne. We know the rest of the story, quite frankly, and during the rebellion, some years later, Absalom is fighting against King David's men, the son fighting against the father. And it says, interesting, the scripture says that Absalom, during one of the battles, was riding on a mule. And those locks of golden hair, as he was riding on a mule, got stuck in an oak tree. And the mule kept walking. Absalom's dangling by his hair. The rest of the story is that eventually several men of King David's army killed Absalom. So here's King David. His daughter was violated. His son Tamar was violated. His, his son Amnon was murdered. His son Absalom was rebelled against King David and was also murdered. And it was during this rebellion that King David wrote two Psalms. Psalm chapter three and Psalm chapter four. It was at the height of Absalom's rebellion against David where he penned these words. We're gonna look at these two Psalms today. And we're gonna look at them through the lens of David's grief. 
If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter 3. It will also be up on the screen. This is the title of the psalm is a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, David writes in verse 1 of chapter 3 of the book of Psalms, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying, O my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. You see, verse verse, uh, three, we see point number one is this. God protects us through our grief. God protects us through our grief. God is our shield. A shield is carried by a warrior for defense. So God is shielding David. Psalm 62, verse seven, David writes, on God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. In the Old Testament, there's this concept of a city of refuge. And what the city of refuge was, Hypothetically, let's say that I lived in that time. Hypothetically, let's say that I was uh, accused of a capital crime. I could escape to a city of refuge and be safe until the judicial system ran its course. Here, David writes, God, you're my refuge. Psalm 57, verse 1, David writes, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storm of destruction passes by. There's a great word picture here. It says, in the shadow of your wings. Picture in your mind for a moment a mother bird with a little chick, little chickling. And there's this tremendous storm and that mother bird wants to protect that little baby chick from the inclement weather. So that mother bird gets that little chick and places it under its wing for protection. King David says, in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storm of destruction passes by. You see, God protects us through our grief. Verse four, Psalm three, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Our second point is this, God hears us through our grief. God hears us through our grief. God hears the cries of his people. Have you ever been so desperate and hurt that you only had one course of action that was to reach up to God? God hears your prayers and my prayers. Please never forget this, that God hears us. Psalm 16, verse six, David writes, I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my words. God hears the cries of his people. What a blessing that is. God hears you and me. Verse five, David writes in Psalm three, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustains me. Our third point is this, God sustains us and helps us through our grief. 
Are you grieving today? Is there some sort of loss in your life right now? God will help you. God will sustain you. He gives us exactly what we need when we need it. Verse six, David writes, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you will strike all my enemies on the cheek. You will break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon the people. So here King David is, he's, he's lamenting the dysfunction and loss in his family, and yet he shares from his heart, salvation belongs to you, O Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Psalm chapter four, verse one says, answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I am in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Verse six of chapter four says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Our fourth point in today's study is this. God sees us through our grief. There's an Old Testament story found in the book of Genesis chapter 16. It's the story of Hagar, and her son Ishmael. If you're students of the Old Testament, you know that Abraham and Sarah could not bear children, and, and, but God promised them children. And Abraham and Sarah devised a plan for Abraham to have, uh, marital, uh, have relationship with uh, the handmaid Hagar and the son that was produced from that relationship is a man by the name of Ishmael. But Ishmael was not the chosen son. We know that Isaac was his little half-brother. So, make a long story short, Hagar and Ishmael are kicked out into the wilderness, given one skin of water and some bread. They were about to die, and the mother, Hagar, said, I, 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 can't, I can't see my son pass or him see me. So, he, she sat her adolescent son by a bush or a tree. She walked, a, as the scripture says, a bow's throw away. And she sat there and she cried out to God. And God answered her. And she named a, 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 a Hebrew word for God at that moment called L-E-L Roy, R-O-I. That Hebrew name for God is the God who sees we are under God's watchful care. He sees us. As Hagar was grieving the loss of her potential life and the potential life of her son, God saw her and answered her prayer. God sees us through our grief. Verse seven of chapter four says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Now, wait a minute. How can David experience joy with the dysfunction and the death uh, that he experienced in his family unit? He's talking about a party here where more grain and, and wine abound. 
You make my heart, you put more joy in my heart than when grain and wine abound. Verse eight, David writes, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Our fifth point today is this, God gives us peace through our grief. God gives us peace. Now imagine King David, I wouldn't be probably in the mindset or the heart set that he was, how could I lay down and sleep if I'm fearing my life from my son Absalom who's trying to kill me? How can that be? But God gave David a moment of peace. You know, when we sleep, it's kind of vulnerable, isn't it? When I was a, a young teenager, I, w- I, was in, uh, I was in algebra class, and by the way, I'm not a mathematician, and um, you can ask my wife, I struggle in math to this day, but I was in algebra in about eighth grade. And it, when you take numbers and letters and combine them, you lose me. And that, amen, I heard an amen on that. So, so in algebra class, I'm falling asleep, and I'm going like this and nodding off. And not only am I falling asleep, I'm drooling. I wake up like this, and I turn around, and I was like, oh my, what just happened? I was vulnerable at that moment. My classmates made fun of me. It was kind of interesting and fun. But when we sleep, we are vulnerable. How could David sleep? God gave him peace. So if you're going through grief today, God can give you peace, his peace, through your grief. Here David was, family torn apart, kingdom torn apart, heart as a dad, I can't imagine. I'm sure his heart was torn apart. But God ministered to him every step of the way. Today, if you're grieving, allow God to minister to you and to me every step of the way. You may think it's totally bleak and totally dark and I'm at at a loss and I don't know what to do and I I lost my job or I lost my family or I, I lost my marriage or I lost my child or I lost my mother or I lost my father. Allow God to walk through you and walk with you through your grieving process. Worship team, you can please come up. Several years ago in 1969, the writings of Kubler-Ross came across and developed stages of grief. And Kubler-Ross developed five different stages of the grieving process. The first stage is denial and isolation. The second stage is anger. The third stage is bargaining. The fourth stage is depression. And the fifth stage is acceptance. About 10 or 15 years ago, my father and my mentor, Dr. Bill Tanzi, took the writings of Kubler-Ross and looked at it through the lens of Scripture and developed a, a, a grieving seven stages of grief through the lens of Scripture. Today, we're going to walk through that real briefly. You have the old normal. The old normal was when King David with his family and everything was great. Kids were doing great. They were playing. They were growing up. King David's household was in perfect harmony. That was the old normal. 
And then we know the activating event. The activating event that happened was King David's son raped King David's daughter. So we know that the old normal, and then we're gonna get to eventually a new normal, are two different things. But we go through these stages of grief. The first stage is this, shock and denial. Did that really happen? Did that really happen? Second stage is this, bargaining. It's an overwhelming pain, pain-centered, and then we start to negotiate with ourselves and others. The third stage of the, the seven stages of grief is guilt. We start blaming ourselves. I should have done this more. I could have done that. The fifth stage or fourth stage is anger. We become angry at ourselves. We become angry at God and we become angry with each other. And we ask the question, why is this happening to me? Fifth stage is depression. Our defense system breaks down. The reality of loss sets in. We have loss of appetite. We have insomnia. We have loss of interest. And we have spiraling feelings. The sixth step is acceptance. And this is very, very subtle. A, a good day or a few good days turn into more good days. We still miss the loved one, but life becomes clearer. And then we have hope. Despite the loss, we have a sense of peace. We experience strength from God, and it is felt. And then eventually we hit this thing called the new normal. What our lives are like without the old normal but life does go on. Now, these stages are not sequential. They're not one step, two step, three step. They're all kind of jumbled in. But the idea is, this is a mending process that we go through. Some helpful hints if you're experiencing grief, stay physically active, keep a journal, pray the Psalms, and remember, there always isn't an answer to the question, why? So today, sermon title is Experiencing Grief, or my son Jaden's sermon title is Good Grief. Today we learn that God protects us through our grief. God hears us through our grief. God sustains us and helps us through our grief. God sees us through our grief. And God gives us his peace through our grief. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes a statement and he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, as we come to the table and we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us with his birth, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
And we celebrate what Jesus did for us by paying the penalty for our sins through his blood. Let us come to the table not only in a thanksgiving heart, but also let us come to the table realizing that Jesus walks us through life difficulties.